Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. For a while now, this program has been tracking unfolding COVID events in India via interviews with Indian Bar Association lawyer Dapali Oja, whose organization has been at the forefront of major legal efforts to address COVID crimes in her country. Today, Oja is back to talk about recent efforts to push India's courts to hold corrupt COVID task force officials accountable, to stop the rollout of a newly developed, not mRNA, but DNA vaccine for children, and to investigate the doctor who issued the emergency use authorization for that DNA vaccine. Welcome to Polly. It's a pleasure to be here on your program today. Thank you so much. Let's start by talking about um, the complaint that was sent to um, India's health minister by lawyer Mangesh Dongre uh, about the fact that nothing has been done to remove members of the COVID task force who have been engaging in fraudulent and criminal activities. And those fraudulent and criminal activities were detailed in a parliamentary, the parliamentary committee's 72nd report. So first, if you could tell us what the parliamentary committee is and talk about the contents of that report. This particular 72nd committee was a committed committee of members appointed by the upper house of parliament of India, which we call as Rajya Sabha. So it was specifically constituted to look into irregularities which had been surfaced in the administration of HPV, human papilloma virus vaccines, way back in 2008-2009. So to give a very brief uh, introduction about what is uh, all the irregular trials, the unlawful trials were all about, there is this uh, NGO by name PATH, which is um, uh, some um, a program for appropriate technology in health. It is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now this NGO path in collaboration with Indian Council of Medical Research, which, is, which goes by its abbreviation ICMR. This is the premier research institute of India. So path and Indian Council of Medical Research collaborated to introduce this trials, uh, HPV trials among tribal girls and they had selected two states of India. Now these are vaccine trials, human papilloma virus yes. vaccine trials. Vaccine trials and uh, these vaccines were meant to prevent uh, uh, cervical cancer amongst young girls. Right. Now, now this was more of an observation trial and a uh, lot of rules and laws around clinical trials which were in place at that time were flouted, blatantly flouted like laws around uh, informed consent to be taken. Now, these girls whom we are talking about, they were as young as uh, age group 10 to 14 years. And oh. these were tribal girls. And these girls, most of the girls were staying away from their homes. So they were not staying along with their parents. They were staying at some hostels. So parents did not even know what was being administered to their- Do you think that was done on purpose? Yes, it seems like because it was made to look like, you know, a program which was in which uh, the, the, there is there was this uh, organization under the health ministry, National Rural Health Mission, NHRM. So it was made to look like it is a program driven by NHRM, whereas the parliamentary report says 
that NHRM website did not even have a mention that they are, you know, a part of these trials. And moreover, moreover, when these vaccines were given to these girls, they were made to believe that this is some medicine which otherwise is very costly if they go for it to purchase in the market. Well, were they, they sick? Were they? First of all, these girls, if if they weren't with their parents, who was? who was overseeing them? I mean, 10 years old, you can't just be out there on your own. They were, they were staying in hostels. So they were under the guardianship of the hostel wardens. So some of the consent forms, as the report states, was signed by the hostel wardens and not the parents. What is a as hostel? I mean, I know like when you travel, there are hostels, but what's a hostel in India? Uh, like we have, we have certain, you know, colleges which, are, which have residential courses. Oh, okay, so they are they are established in certain areas. They could be in outskirts. Or so there are schools. So it's a school, and it would also have residential arrangement. Oh, it's a boarding school. Boarding school, kind of. So okay. few of the girls were staying away from parents, and their parents okay. were totally in dark as to what was being given to these girls. And eight children had died. Eight girls had died, and the report also states that. You know, it has to be investigated whether others have suffered serious effects, serious side effects of these vaccines. Now, if you see, this is this is what we are talking about of year two thousand eight. So around twelve years have passed, twelve to thirteen years of passed. So but, but wait, why would the school give permission? Why would the school not say you can't bring these vaccines in here because these kids' parents aren't here to give consent? Why would the school be allowed to give consent? Ideally. Ideally, it was a prerogative and it was a responsibility of schools, you know, to, uh, to perform due diligence as to who are these people and what is the real purpose and what is it that they are going to give, administer on the girls. But it seems like, seems like there could be, you know, a, a collusion between them, uh, especially, you know, targeting the tribal girls so that, wow. you know, they get easy, easy targets for clinical trials and, uh, you know, they would not resist and you paint a false picture and it was it was also made to appear that this is being given to them this hpv vaccine is being given to them as a part of national immunization program so something oh. to appear as if governments there is a government run program so so we're sent here by the government so you have to let right. us do this right right oh. so there was there, there was a serious misrepresentation and wow. uh, it seems seems people who were in charge or who gave consent to it uh, you know, to go ahead and administer these vaccines did not resist or did not ask the questions they were supposed to ask. And that was the reason that, and then there was a lot of public uproar when girls died. And there was like, you know, protests coming from across India because of which this committee came to be appointed, this parliamentary committee. And uh, if we go through the report, which is a very detailed report, they have actually fixed the responsibility on Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded path, this NGO path, and also the officials of Indian Council of Medical Research who were responsible to you know, collaborate and make these trials, unauthorized trials, pass through. Okay, so this happened. Now this was, you said back in 2009. 2009, okay. Nine. And was anybody held accountable? I mean, this is the government saying that these people should be held right. accountable. Who was right. held accountable? So, uh, see, as of now, the report says that there should be an investigation by India's premier research uh, investigation agency, which is CBI, Central Bureau of Investigation, and all these officials of 
people involved from path and indian council of medical research should be uh, investi investigated into but uh, we do not know where whether the investigation was initiated and you know where does it stand today but but an ngo had filed a case in the apex court the supreme court of india and the last hearing which we have checked on the website of supreme court was somewhere around early uh, 2018 and there were lot of hearings believe me there were lot of hearings around one point of contention whether this particular parliamentary report has any evidentiary value whether it can be used oh, so now they're just trying to get rid of the the the, the report altogether so so what so are they see, saying that that the, what's presented in the report isn't true or based on facts or what so it is it was on a law point whether such a report which which is which is a product which which has come from parliament does it have any value in the court proceedings <laughs> fortunately for, there were hearings there were several hearings and in fact a higher bench a constitution bench came to be uh, you know to be formed to decide upon this question and the, the end result was the conclusion was yes it has evidentiary value and it could be used to uh, go ahead with the investigation and it will certainly be a part of court's record so this this came in around Jan early uh, 2018 after that there hasn't been any hearing uh, to my knowledge when i checked last on the website so now this this was an ngo from india so we need to now you know get into the details as to what happened and why are the, why is the matter not being taken up for hearing so this is also one of the point which we are consistently covering in all the representations in all the legal notices that we are sending of late okay so so this is interesting so as your basic base of reference you're using this parliamentary report because essentially you're saying the same am i understanding this is what i'm asking the mm -hmm. same people who were involved in this hpv scandal the same government officials the same agencies the same ngos are now in charge of the COVID task force and there could be there, I, there is a slight correction if you permit me um, in 2009 when these trials happened and also this report which came out was pub published in 2013 august 2013 so the, the it was in the earlier dispensation now we have a different uh, you know ruling party who is in power right now so the officials could have changed like uh, you uh, dr somya swaminathan who is the chief uh, you know scientist uh, scientist at who today she was the dg at indian council of medical research in 2017 so you see officials have changed and they typically have they changed but they're basically involved in the same pushing and these it's, it's a revolving door policy so the people could be moved they could have moved at some other places or some some could have retired from the service but basically the organization the type of funding or like we, we have talked about phfi currently the public health foundation of india again it is a it is a baby of bill and melinda gates foundation like this path well so it's a public started. it's a public private it's government oh, yes, it is and a public private partnership so so you see it's 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 a it's a, the the ecosystem looks very similar like we have these ngos which are funded by bill and melinda gates and they would typically collaborate with certain institutions which have say in deciding the policies the health policies and other uh, strategic initiatives so you're basically saying this happened in the past hmm. and this is very similar to what is happening now 
but we're now talking about the COVID virus and COVID yes. vaccines and COVID policy. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's so, what the complaint. So, so, so we have this strong and serious precedent in the past, wherein, in fact, in fact, a particular program was, uh, you know, it, we had stopped funding. We, we, the, the, the report also reveals that a particular unit, which, which was a secretariat in the government of India, the salaries of those, that particular unit were paid by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation then. And who were closely- were they, what? They were collecting two salaries, one from the government, one from the Gates Foundation? No, it was not two salaries. I, I might have to look into the details of it. Definitely not two salaries, but, but, but the salaries were being funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is a private foundation. And these were paying, this foundation was funding the salaries of a government unit, unit under government of India. So oh. while this came out, while this came out, the conflict was very clear and uh, people of India uh, protested against it. And it was around this time in 2017, in some, somewhere around mid 2017, that uh, government of India decided that this has to stop and funds from, you know, uh, NGOs like Bill and Melinda Gates would not be taken to fund salaries of government employees. So you see, whenever there had been protests, there were some actions, but it, but now what we are experiencing is much serious and uh, you know they have come with a lot of preparation like the way they were they had come in 2008 2009 and they thought that nobody would catch us nobody would realize and uh, nobody you know th this would not be exposed so after that now in 2020 they have come with a lot of preparation and uh, you know they know uh, you know how to carry so, the show ahead so okay so first of all we know that nobody has has actually gone to jail or been prosecuted for what happened in 2009. Nobody. Nobody. Okay. So then they come back bigger, better, and bigger and better organized. So now that they've come back in a different way and more effectively, apparently, and I guess un legally, I don't know, explain to me what they're doing now that is criminal and fraudulent and who's doing it? So currently uh, we, we have uh, highlighted more of PHFI, which is Public Health Foundation of India, which is established as a typically as a public private partnership. Now, an astonishing fact around this is public health policy. It essentially has to be a sole government and domain of government. There cannot be, we cannot uh, fathom, you know, some private entities coming into this public policy space and, uh, you know, working towards formulation of uh, public welfare policies. So we need to have a look at what is the basic document and uh, the uh, volunteers which are working from Awaken India movement, they have said that there is no documentation as such, which uh, proves that there is a contract or some agreement between government of India and PHFI, Public Health Foundation of India which would bring, you know, a sanctity to this particular private uh, partnership. So it looks like some front which has been created. Oh, so, really? Yes, yes. So we, we have called in for uh, the agreement or document because, you know, there is, there is a bureaucrat from health ministry who becomes an ex-officio member on PHFI's board. So when we send out information request as to how can government approve and bureaucrat who is drawing salary from government of India to also sit on the board of a private organization. So to which the government has denied that, no, that there is no such bureaucrat or we have not given permission to any bureaucrat to 
become well, a part that's, of that's kind of a that's kind of a weaselly statement there. We haven't given permission. He may have done it. Yes. They're not saying whether he did or didn't do it. They're just saying, well, he doesn't have our permission, as if the government has no say in whether or not he's legally allowed to do it. Is that is that the scenario here? Yes. So it looks like it's like government playing safe by giving such a response. Ideally, when such issues are highlighted, there has to be an investigation. The, the concerned bureaucrat has to be uh, you know, called for investigation and a response has to be sought from him as to right. you know, a particular uh, complaint has been received. So what is what is that he has to say on it? And further action has to be taken. But unfortunately, that has not happened. In this um, complaint, they, you talk about misappropriation of funds. Right. Okay. Right. Could you talk about that for me? Like who's yes. misappropriating funds, how much, and what are they doing with them? Right. So um, th there is a past incident within Public Health Foundation of India. See, these are very like closed entities. They do not disclose what, you know, where the funding comes in from and where they are deploying the funds. So while we, uh, you know, uh, we started working in this area uh, since last couple of months, and we tried to know more from Awaken India movement as to what research they had about PHFI. As uh, you had interviewed Mr. Johan Tengra a few days back, so he has done a detailed research. So we had a meeting with him and the members of Awaken India movement who updated us as to what their findings are. And they, they narrated one incident where in the past they have uh, the PHFI, Public Health Foundation of India, they had invested a substantial amount uh, in a fixed deposit in a bank and it, it turned out to be swindling of funds. So nobody knows where the funds went into. And, and, and that particular corpus had a substantial portion coming in from government of India. So it was, it was a combined funding from government of India and a private NGO. And uh, nobody knows. So the funds were taken in, but we do not know where they went. And uh, maybe there could be some laundering around. And a complaint was filed with Premier Agency of India, Central Bureau of Investigation. So there is a first information report, which as per our criminal laws, it is the first report which when a crime is reported, this document is prepared, which is a basis of all prosecution which happens later in the court. So there is a FIR registered, and now we are digging up the details as to what is the stage of that investigation. So before COVID pandemic, there is, has already been a serious irregularity where funds had been swindled and we do not know where where they are today misappropriation of uh, public funds but what were they what were the funds appropriated for you know what did they say the funds were appropriated for even if the funds disappeared and weren't spent on what they were supposed to be spent on they uh, they had invested in a bank fixed deposit this is what they are saying so they were invested, like they would have received a corpus. So typically NGOs would uh, invest it for a time being till they get a cause to fund to, or you know something just works up where they have to now provide funds. Till then they would uh, invest in some, you know, which they think is a profitable avenue and they would earn interest on those instead of keeping it idle. So they had done something similar. I, I need to go into the details of what the case of CBI, the first information report states exactly how they did about it. The end result is funds were taken in from government and the whole corpus was invested in a bank. And later it turned out, we do not know where did it go. Who the funds disappeared. Yeah. So it just disappeared. 
so I mean, essentially, why why should public private um, partnerships be legal at all? Then I mean, why not have the government if they if they need the services of a an NGO that has a certain expertise? Why don't they just pay for it as an outsider and say, okay, just give us a report, we'll decide what we think about it, and so on? Why do they have to get in bed with the government? So. Uh, which is inherent, I mean, it inherently creates a conflict of interest. Right. So why is it even legal? What is, the, what is the idea behind why this is such a great idea? Okay, as far as my knowledge goes on public-private partnerships, there, there is this model of public-private partnerships in sectors like infrastructure, energy development, but then it is based on a contract. There is an agreement as to, you know, in, within both the parties, public and private, where they would mention what their expertise areas are, what kind of funds from where they would source, and what would be the end use of the fund. So it is all mentioned in the document. It's well documented so that aggrieved party, if at all, you know, there is any party who is aggrieved, has a grievance in the future, the party would have a recourse to court, a legal recourse. So it's all in a proper lawful manner. So it's all but transparent too. It's, it's transparent. So so we, we can, to some extent, understand this model, PPP model, as far as infrastructure, energy projects are concerned, where there could be a private player who has been in business for a considerably long time and has built up expertise, and they could lend that expertise to, develop, uh, to government for its developmental projects. Fine. But as far as public health is concerned, uh, I cannot, this is my personal opinion, I simply cannot think of any rational, a sound rational which would justify such a public-private partnership, especially when the private partner, the private party has connections with, say, pharmaceutical companies, vaccine manufacturing companies, or you know, something which is tied, purely tied to commercial interest. So commercial interest cannot be married to government initiatives because government is a works for the welfare of people and it's not a it's not it does not carry out activities for earning profits this is what uh, you know we have a setup in india so so this is this is this looks like uh, it has been um, you know misused this um, this model is being misused and it is used to give a color of you know some uh, uh, you know, expertise which is being brought together and for the welfare of people, which is certainly not the case as far as public-private partnership in health sector, public health sector is concerned. This is well, I think too, the big difference is it's one thing to have a partnership that's all about building roads or, you know, housing or whatever, but it's another one where you're, you're actually, um, your, the decisions you make actually involve the people of a nation who have no say in what this partnership is up to, you know, in, in the partnership. I mean, except, right. except through the government. But if the government is making decisions that are helping the commercial partner make money by yes. doing something to the people, then it becomes very dicey because people yes. certainly with vaccines, you know, there are laws that say I sure I'm sure and you know the laws of consent. Um, that's that's a big deal and also, you know, and we'll go down through the other aspects of this complaint, because another thing this this complaint talks about besides the misappropriation of funds 
is the false narratives, misinformation, and pseudoscience yes. that was uh, used to promote uh, testing that was that was faulty, and the faulty testing was used to um, get higher uh, yes. get higher uh, uh, you know have more people, you know, have COVID basically to, to say that more people had come down with COVID. And then yes. uh, that allowed for more vaccines to be sold as well. Right. And, the, and, and any information that, that, um, that's, that questioned the safety of the vaccines, uh, of course, was suppressed. So could you talk about that whole landscape? Yes. Uh, I don't know if you know the details of the CDC report that was mentioned in this complaint. I found that particularly shocking. Are you referring to the CDC report regarding the uh, halting of uh, using RT-PCR tests by December of 2020? I'm talking about the modeling, the the modeling, the scientific report um, oh. on on modeling saying that asymptomatic people um, could be carrying the virus when uh, what they actually did, you know, <laughs> they based their modeling on people who had already, are, were already showing symptoms of the virus and they okay. would ask them, oh, do you remember when you first started coming down with the virus? So they had no information on these people shedding virus when okay. they were asymptomatic. And yet they build this whole modeling report on that that was used okay. to say, oh, asymptomatic people shed the virus. Right. So uh, now, uh, more than 18 months into pandemic, uh, we are now, uh, you know, awakening to a lot of uh, irregularities and, you know, hijack something uh, similar to hijacking of common sense, where, you know, uh, now people have started, you know, they have come out of it and they can now see through things which uh, are uh, obviously which are, uh, you know, irregular and they are not as per science, they are not even as per the common sense. This is what we all are realizing. And uh, in one of the petitions, which we have already filed in the Bombay High Court, we had a hearing yesterday on it. And uh, we have included this uh, issue, uh, concern around RT-PCR tests, wherein we have mentioned all the scientific papers as to how setting a high threshold, basically the RT-PCR test itself is not meant for diagnostic purposes. Yeah, they set it at, they set the cycle at 35. 35 which in India. it's very, right. it's so high that you're going to get right. false positives right. more so, than 90% of the 90%, time. Yes, yes, yes. So, so basically have, you're, you're fixing it, fixing the exactly. testing so that people can be diagnosed with COVID. Right, right. So, so this is around RT-PCR test. So it has, it is already, this matter is already included in a petition, which is currently being heard at the Bombay High Court. And uh, the petition is also about, uh, you know, the discrimination. The reason why I'm mentioning the petition over here is because the matter is already in court now. Good, so, yeah. Right, because, because this notice is a legal notice. It is the first step, what we were discussing by notice sent by Advocate Mangesh Dongre to the Health Minister of India. This is a notice. But the petition is already a matter which is being heard by the court. Okay. So um, we, we had a circular coming in from the municipal corporation here in the state of Maharashtra a couple of months back. And the circular said that only vaccinated people would be allowed to travel by railways. They would be allowed, only vaccinated people would be allowed at public places. 
and uh, including shopping malls and all public and private offices should get their staff all employees vaccinated so we have challenged this particular circular and such circulars are issued by all the state governments we have 28 states in india so now what we get to know from people the ground uh, situation is every municipality every state government is coming up with similar circulars wherein uh, indirectly they are compelling people to go in for vaccination uh, private offices are already issuing uh, mandates and uh, a deadline by which a person is supposed to complete their second dose otherwise they uh, have a, they, they are at the risk of losing their jobs so this is uh, prevalent in all states in india so can i just interrupt for a second yes. here in the united states the states can actually uh set their own rules to a great extent can you do that in india as well yes we can do that i have been reading about uh, florida state and uh, you know how it is being different uh, and there could be other states also but maybe i have uh, read or watched more videos on florida as to how the government yeah i mean their surgeon general is a front, one of those frontline doctors mm -hmm. who was treating mm -hmm. covid patients and now he's surgeon general so he's uh, he's got different things to say than a lot of other a lot of other states um yes. so okay so go ahead so is that part of your petition your bombay uh... right so so in 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 the state of maharashtra where we have filed this petition in high court of bombay the result or the you know the judgment that would come in it would be applicable to the whole state of maharashtra and it will have a binding value on other states also so really states, yes it would it would have a binding value but then but then if it is challenged by some party in other states the matter would again be heard afresh so see there there are rules around you know what is the strength of the bench whether it is two judge bench which is coming up with the decision the judgment accordingly it would have you know either it would have a persuasive value or it could be binding for example there is a judgment coming in from a two judge bench and there is a three judge bench in another state which gives a judgment which is you know different from this one then the earlier judgment stands overruled this is this is the this is the rule so it would it would you know we will have to see how it evolves further so we are right oh now focusing God. on our petition in high court of bombay and uh, the hearing we had hearing yesterday it uh, it was very good and the court has asked us to file an additional affidavit with all scientific evidences uh, they they are focusing more on evidences which are pertaining to india or which you know which are local uh, so, um, that is what they have requested us to file so after uh, around uh, mid november we are going to file it that's one of the things i wanted to ask you yes it, are covid cases going up are they going down what's going as on today as of today as of today it is uh, it, it is in much control the because we, we have opened up and uh, but then but then you know every week we would have some uh, you know comments coming in from politicians regarding the third wave possibility of a third wave coming up so we have been hearing this since last 3 to 4 months but then but then now people have become vigilant and you know people could see through as to you know how could waves be predicted uh, you know how could they predict that children would be affected now this is another aspect altogether children's vaccines which we will certainly talk about so coming back to these petitions uh, you know this matter is in the court and we have taken up uh, rt pcr issue we plan to file additional petitions regarding the mask mandates and the illegal lockdowns fortunately uh, there, there is no announcement of lockdown anywhere in the state of india as of now there could be some containment zones but they are very specific and very you know certain specific areas but it's not a blanket lockdown fortunately we do not have any lockdowns right now 
situation is much in control as of today. So what about uh, Dr. Swaminathan? Uh, we're talking about false narratives, pushing false narratives and misinformation. She was the WHO scientist who was talking about how, yes. you know, yes. everybody so had now, to be vaccinated and right away, very right. dangerous. Okay, what did, what's her situation? So we, could, we, could, we, could, we could sense that, you know, uh, this whole uh, thing, the, the there's entire group, they were visibly, uh, you know, kind of unsettled when we, we were discussing a lot about ivermectin because that was precisely the time when they expedited the vaccination drive. And it was around the same time, around June. June Since June, we have started, you know, we, are, we, are, we, we can feel the pressure because the government has set a target. Just last week, we, uh, the government announced that it has administered one crore doses, which is uh, 10 million doses in India of vaccines. So they had their targets and, you know, uh, so the more we discussed about ivermectin, the more pressure was around people to go and get vaccinated because they were denied public services. They were denied certain utilities. So obviously people, uh, some people who did not know, they went went ahead and vaccinated themselves without knowing you know, the other aspects which we are discussing, the informed consent, side effects and all. So uh, you see on September 23, Indian Council of Medical Research changed the protocol and they have removed ivermectin. This is the this is what they did on 23rd. So I'm sure uh, you know they are uh, certainly working uh, you know to suppress early treatments as far as they can, because um, you know there was a lot of awareness around early treatments. Not only ivermectin in India, we have as we had discussed in the last interview, we have alternative medicines. Medicine. Well, you have the Ayurvedic. The, what is it? The three fluids uh, diet or something that yes, apparently yes, works yes. extremely well. Yes, it has done extremely well and uh, there are videos on YouTube and other channels where patients have come themselves and they have uh, given a testimony as to how the naturopathy, the treatment by way of naturopathy has helped them uh, come out of COVID without having any allopathic medicine or without hospitalization. So we have uh, people coming up, uh, you know, and speaking for uh, their own cases or success stories of how they recovered from Ayurveda, homeopathy, naturopathy. So... So you see, uh, ivermectin as of today is out from the national protocol, but but government of India's website has not updated its protocol as yet, because uh, what's it waiting for? Uh, no, see what what I feel is there 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 there, there is something more what, what meets the eye when uh, ICMR, this Indian Council for Medical Research, removed ivermectin. So had it been a decision by consensus it would have been updated by government of India too. So it's possible that, you know, some officials are being captured, like it happened with a health regulator by name DGCI a uh, few months back. So this particular unit is not even having, a, you know, a competency or they do not have this authority to come up with a protocol. But suddenly out of blue, they came up with a protocol which said no ivermectin, no hydroxychloroquine, no zinc. And they just so came out of blue. Those are like the key, I mean, I thought there was a law, I thought there was a law in India, two laws. One is it says a, every public servant's action must be in the public interest. Yes. And that also uh, that the, the uh, there's, a, people have a constitutional right uh, to have good information. In other words, 
people who provide false warning, false alarm, leading to panic, yes. et cetera, can be punished for that. Yes, yes. Under Disaster Management Act, we have Section 51B and Section 55, which talk about false alarms. Because when we are talking about emergency, disaster, you know, situation around a disaster, possible disaster, any loose comment or any, you know, a false warning would create a panic. And that would certainly, uh, you know, might result in people losing their lives because people are already in a state of panic. So, so there are provisions which uh, prohibit such, you know, uh, fear mongering or, you know, circulation of false uh, warnings. Well, so is, we this part, certainly... is this part of that, do you think? The, the, the saying that ivermectin, zinc, and hydroxychloroquine, three things that actually work, work for, for COVID, uh, it, can that fall under this? Uh, yes, it can fall because it is a false warning because uh, when we have scientific studies which show that early treatments are effective and they would cut the chances of a person landing up in the hospital or getting into a serious state, how can we have public officials or you know these people coming up and you know issuing exactly contrary statement to it, which has no scientific basis? So it's it's a misleading statement on their part. So we have sections for misleading also mis making misleading statements also in the as per our criminal law. So we have mentioned all the sections in this particular notice, and uh, we have typically we have specified the names of people, which includes Dr. Soumya Swaminathan. And the officials, the uh, you know ICMR officials and PHFI officials, uh, who are on a priority list to be investigated and to be prosecuted. And we have mentioned. Oh my God, the Polly! How long is this going to take? Uh, well, we we will continue our follow up. We will continue our push. And as you see, we 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 are having a multi pronged approach as of now. We are issuing the civil society is also involved. There are uh, you know uh, vigilant uh, organizations like Awaken India Movement. They are well networked. They have a very good strength of you know grassroots members who are active volunteers who are aware of what's happening. So now you know the pressure is building up, and uh, I would say the situation today in India is uh, very heartening, and we see a lot of awakening happening people it's easy to get across the message a couple of months back uh, it was like people were a bit skeptical they would say as to you know they, they, they were wondered why we were talking about these things they it did not cross their mind that you know we need to critically think around whether these masks are really helpful whether the vaccines have any side effects uh, you know about their legal rights that their consent should have been taken but today uh, it, the situation is very positive and very encouraging people have started becoming aware of it do you have an adverse reaction uh, reporting system in India? Uh, we have. It is called as AEFI, Adverse Event Following Immunization. It is. It is uh, not come like it's. It's a voluntary process. So I I do not know the exact procedure, but but what I have heard feedback from people is they have tried to say a few of my friends who uh, you know. Uh, experienced a bit of uneasiness after the vaccines or you know some serious uh, pain in their bodies they tried to report in the AEFI but uh, either they faced problem in sending the request across because it, it asked for a lot of information or there is a response that they did not hear from the you know AEFI team later on so uh, that is how you know the situation is moreover the more serious aspect of this AEFI reporting is it's not an exhaustive list. Like suppose there are uh, X number of deaths included. We do not know whether X is the complete number of deaths or side effects caused by uh, you know, a particular vaccine. We do not know because it is voluntary. 
somebody might report somebody might not report it and moreover moreover again a very very serious area is the people who are in the national committee who would decide upon you know say a death has happened on administration of vaccine whether it has a causal relation with the vaccine or not now these people have conflict of interest because they have links with pharma companies or uh, bill and melinda gates foundation so how do we expect them to come out you know in a transparent manner they would certainly have an interest to cover it up that the death was not due to vaccines so as of today if my uh, reading goes correct it's only two deaths which have been classified as deaths caused by vaccine and there has been a direct relation so you see two deaths whereas the number is way higher it's it's some it's more than 6000 deaths wow i'll say that the rigory is uh is at a higher level over there in india on the vaccine reporting than it is here here it's pretty bad but there my god really it oh, is so man. it's it's not a very well developed process and the way the checks and balances around it need to be more you know rigorous and they have to be robust which is not the case as of today so dipali have you heard of this uh niti ayog think tank they're launching a behavior uh change campaign called uh the new normal which is all about yes could yes. you talk I, I have about heard that in, heard in detail about it but uh, yes niti ayog is a government's think tank and uh, again it is on our radar uh, for you know uh, assessing the conflicts of interests because because uh, uh, in 2019 there was an event in the building of uh, this icmr indian council for medical research wherein we had bill bill gates coming in and uh, facilitating uh, you know uh, he was um, awarding some some trophies or something to people of uh, icmr and niti ayog officials were also present in that event so you see they are all uh, you know in the same team i would say they are uh, in the same collaboration so something like this behavioral science i think it's again uh, you know to make some homework some ground preparation for you know similar things to come in as to uh, how pandemic has affected uh, psychology or how the behaviors are you know being transformed and maybe introduce some more unscientific uh, ways and means ahead could be possibly so it's kind of a a psyop psyop yes yes this yes. uh the you know navigating the new normal yes yeah. yes you're right you're right okay so let's let's move on to um the, your your urgent filing uh against uh dr randeep uh guliera for misuse and fraud on power giving emergency use authorization for children's vaccines and you want him to be investigated by the yes. uh you know the what is it called the central bureau of invest what's it called yes yes cbi central bureau of investigation, of investigation. talk about yes. that right what has he done who does he who does he answer to etc okay so he he is uh, the head of uh, aiims which stands for all india institute of medical science now we have a national protocol being designed by indian council of medical research icmr and aims all india institute of medical sciences new delhi together so these two institutes under the union of india government of india designed the national protocol 
so this is this is where he stands so he is he is the head of this institute by name aims aims now what we have been seeing is uh, there was a lot of uh, you know building up of uh, a narrative around children's vaccine since last 3 months while these adult vaccination drive uh, you know reached the mark which they were targeting they had their eyes upon vaccinating children and uh, enrollments for clinical trials had already begun and uh, what we understand is in india there is a company by name zydus cadila and it is producing the first dna vaccine now nowhere in the world there has been a dna vaccine as of today so it's happening for the first time and in a typical scenario where other corona vaccines have come in you know like very fast rolled out and they are going to give these vaccines on children now this is on one hand yes dna vaccines by zydus cadila so that's the now they're going to now they're going to gene splice via these vaccines this See, we do not even know we do not what is in it what is what's in these vaccines well uh, i need to go into the details of the components but what i have read is it is happening for the nowhere in the world we have dna vaccine so it's the first time and in these hurried trials they are going to administer these vaccines on children who's going to allow that well and uh, where are the children coming from they have who's enrolled kids? children who, who's kids have but, they gone uh, back into the tribal areas for that too oh my god who's kids but, but but you know something they already have emergency use authorization for these uh, dna vaccines it has come in last month so eua is already in place so it, it, they had targeted to start the vaccination by october end for children between the age group of 8 to 12 if i recollect correctly and they plan to uh, you know go ahead with trials on children as young as 2 year old so that oh was when that, so that was when this group of 100 more than 100 doctors uh, you know they have a group called uh, doctors for truth so more than 100 doctors and more than 1000 Uh, members of civil society they wrote a letter in fact a first letter had gone a couple of months back but since we did not get a response they have shot a second follow up letter wherein they have cited all the scientific evidences state which prove that children do not need vaccines at all most of the children have had infection in the first wave last year they already have antibodies and they healthy children can certainly recover so we need not target them like they they did not be a mass vaccination of healthy children so this is what the doctors had shared their perspective they were signatories to this letter and indian bar association had given a letter of representation adopting all the contents we said we agree with what these doctors and members of civil society are saying additionally we are calling for prosecution investigation and prosecution of dr randeep guleria who was at the forefront issuing statements as to why children should be vaccinated immediately so we could see you know in press in mainstream media his statements coming every other day wherein you know he was much pro uh, vaccination for children that's why we have mentioned him of course it's not only him all others who are you know pushing for vaccination for children now there is a positive development after this letter went out we had uh, an interview coming in from a member of the national task force covid task force her name is uh, dr gagandeep kang i had shared uh, two links with you earlier wherein uh, she came in and now it's like a total u turn 
now she's uh, she says two things that uh, we need to think before we just indiscriminately vaccinate children uh, you know above the age of 15 or we just you know go ahead and uh, vaccinate children who are healthy there is no safety data for us to support our decision so these things are now coming out and we have she appeared on three uh, mainstream media channels and uh, detailed interviews and then we have now people you know speaking up about then we had a, a had a news item which said even government is thinking not to rush into vaccinating children as it would it might create a problem of bigger proportion which would be difficult to handle so as of today as we talk right now there is no date which is announced by which they would start children's vaccination also also with the awareness that we are spreading we came to know that parents are not sending their kids for vaccine trials because there are three more candidates for children's vaccinations which are in various phases of trial phase 2 phase 3 but they are not getting sufficient children also they are at least giving a thought of excluding children who are, have antibodies developed at least they are adhering to that part of real science as to they think that people children who have antibodies should not be taken in for clinical trials for children's vaccines so this is the reason they are giving as to you know why we are not getting enough children to carry on the trials why do you need a dna vaccine for an age group that literally either doesn't get covid or when they get it right. they get such a light case it's like having a cold or whatever why would you develop a vaccine for those people now mrna vaccine bad enough we've seen you know the yes. adverse reactions to that why now are we playing with yet another kind of you know something that that experimental Yes. well experimental but it's experimental on a genetic level the genetic level thing is very important it's very yes. important because that is that's messing with the the core aspect of your of your physical being yes yes so it's it's almost like well we got this mrna thing why don't we do a dna thing have they tested this on animals even well uh... i need to check because it has been rolled out very fast we did not even know that such a vaccine is under uh, you know it's being prepared and it's going to be tested we didn't it just suddenly came out that you know first dna vaccines by zydus cadila on for children this is what we heard i'll tell you something else i don't know if you know this but i did an interview with professor francis boyle i don't know if you know who he is but he was the one who authored the biological weapons convention and he said a couple of scientists including a scientist from india have confirmed that hiv was genetically engineered into the coronavirus okay so the coronavirus is not a naturally occurring virus it was genetically engineered i mean there are other there are other reasons uh, that he provides showing you know other aspects of the genetic engineering of this virus but if you take that into consideration that this is already not a natural virus which means given given the the havoc and death it has wrought around the world it is a bioweapon yes okay and now they're coming up 
with genetically engineered vaccines to address a genetically engineered virus. There's something about that that as I'm speaking, it makes me sick to my stomach. It's, it's, it's really very shocking as to uh, the extent to which uh, these people are going and uh, our lives are being endangered and it's, it's truly very, uh, it's very disturbing, disturbing to the core. And I'm so interested too in the fact that like clockwork, at the same time that Biden and Fauci and everybody else have been pushing here, got to vaccinate the kids, got to vaccinate the kids, same thing is going on in India. Got to vaccinate the kids, got to vaccinate the kids, got to vaccinate the kids. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's like there's a timetable and an agenda and everybody everybody's gets the same message at the same time. Yes, yes. They would they will coordinate as far as you know when when uh, there has to be surge in the cases, when there has to be lockdown throughout so that there is a uniformity in which the their plans are being executed and uh, what what should be the you know the milestones to be achieved as far as vaccination status is concerned how much percentage of population is being done and then we have regular statements coming in from who as to you know which country is lagging behind which country is ahead so they are monitoring whether you know things are being executed as they had planned before as per their sinister plans so definitely it's a very uh, coordinated effort that is being happening so let me ask you, because you're submitting these petitions to uh, your prime minister and your health minister, um, and who's the other, the third minister that you- uh, Home minister? Yeah, home minister. Yes. Um, how reliable as public servants uh, looking after the public interest are each of those people? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, as per the laws in India, we need to give a two months notice to a public servant before we initiate any action in the court. So this is through these notices, we have already informed them now, we would expect them to act on it. Uh, like you see, uh, we are seeing some positive development as far as children's vaccines are concerned. As I said, had these things not gone, had these letters and petitions not gone, they would have announced a schedule for children to start by this month end, which is not the case now. It is put on hold. At least they are giving it a thought. So okay. uh, we, we could get a response. Well, uh, it's, it's, it would be a good thing to get a response. But even if they mend their actions and we can see, you know, some, uh, you know, changes in the circular or their approach, I think that that should be, uh, you know, treated as a, a decent win on the efforts that we are taking. In. Okay, but I'm asking you, it's, a, I know it's a delicate question and, and, you know, you don't answer it as you will. I'm just asking you, is your prime minister, are his hands clean? Are the health minister's hands clean? Are the home minister's hands clean? That's, that's what I'm asking you. Because our, the head of our COVID policy, Fauci, his hands have not been clean literally for decades. And it's been documented. So, and he's still there, uh, and, but he is, supported by President Biden. I mean, President Biden, he, he couldn't be more forceful about everybody needs to be vaccinated. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, and, and that's why I'm asking you since these petitions are being submitted to these people, how 
interested are they in the public interest? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, these, uh, if you see the nature of, you know, this whole op, uh, this, what, what is, what we are currently facing through, it's being initiated and executed mostly by bureaucracy. What we have experienced here is when we challenge any executive order or which is passed by a bureaucratic officer in the court of law, then they would come in and you know either they would take some time, they would amend the circular or you know, they would go on a back foot. For example, uh, it's essential that I highlight one fact here. COVID vaccination is voluntary as per the central government of India. We have raised a lot of uh, information requests for information requests, wherein we have asked a specific question. Is it must for an individual to take COVID vaccine? So the reply that we get is no. COVID vaccine is totally voluntary and it is not mandatory. Question number two, which we had asked is, if in the, in the event of a, an, you know, an unfortunate incident like death due to vaccine, will the, person's, the deceased person's family get any compensation? So the, the central government has replied saying, since the vaccination is voluntary, there is no question of granting compensation. So this is the stand of central government. So you see, they have never said that, okay, they have not coerced. This is their stand. But within states and the bureaucrats who are running the administration of states, they have come up with these unlawful orders, which we are challenging. There has been an incident last week where in Goa, a petition was being heard. And typically these petitions would have, uh, would have parties from central government also and state government also. So central government official also has to come and give his response on the matter. So in, in the High Court of Goa, the Goa bench of Bombay High Court, we had an affidavit coming in from the central government official. And he has stated on affidavit that vaccination is voluntary. We can never make it compulsory to anybody. We can only counsel them. So now the ball is in the court of state government official. Okay. So this is how it is being run here in India. But it's voluntary. But if you're not vaccinated, you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So people are be- being pressured, at least that's the way it is here. People being pressured into being vaccinated because it's almost like you're a, you become a persona non grata yes, if, you are, yes. if you are not vaccinated. So, right. so, so when we are initiating legal actions, we, as per law, we can go after the signatory who has signed that particular illogical, unscientific order, which is discriminatory, which is violating the rights of unvaccinated people. So you see, all the notices or wherever we have specifically mentioned a person's name, either he is a health official or he is a politician or he is a minister, and we have a role attributed to him or her, that in a particular role, this person has committed you know, this irregularity for which we are calling in for requesting for an investigation or prosecution. So this is how we can approach uh, legally. We cannot, uh, because we need to fix the responsibility or somebody who has not fulfilled the responsibility has to be, we have to be very specific about it. So, uh, you know, this is how we are approaching right now in, in as far as the legal work is concerned. Are you getting more and more people, more and more lawyers involved in the different states now? I yes. mean, are yes, you guys yes. coordinating your efforts to <laughs> on the same timeline that they're coordinating theirs? I mean, 
yes now we we are we are coordinating within states you know because we we it's 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 a collaborative effort now because say say for example we file a petition in bombay high court and we have started with the proceedings we see to it that we update or we provide the updates from the proceeding we share the petitions with you know across all the states so that people can file similar petitions in their state there could be some difference in you know the nature of circulars or nature of restrictions which could be specific to the state but i'm sure they can make those amendments but at least a line of action or you know some clue could be uh, you know could be taken up from you know somebody who has already approached the court or somebody who is already in a particular stage in a court proceeding so there is a very uh, good level of collaboration that is happening and even uh, you know the citizens are becoming very aware and they have started questioning so earlier you know the level of awareness was abysmally low and that was like a very uh, you know very concerning part for us uh, to put our point across but now it's very easy you know you you share something and they can easily catch it oh okay this is happening so my rights are being violated i have to be aware of it so this is again a very uh, you know significant development i would say a progress i would say so this would uh, this would this would this would definitely result in a very effective and strong forceful pushback and we are seeing positive results here specific in india i'm sure uh, you know um, it will be uh, you know successes uh, ours i'm sure Well, I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm I'm thrilled to hear that. I'm very heartened to hear that. Keep up the good work, and keep me posted. Uh, can I add one one yes. more development which 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 I want to share? You see, uh, we were writing a lot of letters. Uh, common, you know, citizens, lawyers, activists were writing letters. So here in state of Maharashtra, when I when I talked about the restriction on railways traveling by railways, uh, we had last week an. standard operating procedure was issued which allowed for medical exemption so nowhere in india we have medical exemption so they have the state of maharashtra has mentioned if a person is not in a position to take vaccine due to a pre medical condition he or she can obtain a doctor's certificate and can travel by train and he will be treated as vaccinated so we are we are very happy that see because it's it is a genuine case there could be somebody who has a serious condition or you know see autoimmune disorder or some something which is a contraindication for vaccine earlier it was a blanket mandate everybody takes it but there are people who are not in a position to take so they have at least considered that particular group so we are extremely happy and uh, i hope you know the message goes across we are trying to get across this message to all other states to everybody in the world wherein you know uh, we could push for uh, we could make them consider this particular state so this is another positive development